Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. And I'm very excited today to be on with Jeff Pelizzaro. Jeff, how are you? I'm great, Josh. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. Now, Jeff, can you tell everybody uh, what you're the host of? Because you've got one of the coolest podcasts out there. and I want everybody to be able to tune in and listen. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, so I'm the host of the 18 Strong Podcast, which is a podcast for golfers, mainly kind of uh, focusing on the fitness side, uh, performance side, but we try to bring in guests and interviews of people that are not just fitness professionals, medical professionals, but swing coaches, some players, some people kind of outside of the box. We've had Navy SEAL snipers on the show. We've had sleep experts on the show. So really anybody that we feel can bring in some sort of unique perspective or performance tip or or way for the golfers to get better and basically be stronger on the 18th or be as strong on the 18th tee box as they were on the first tee box, hence the name 18 strong. That's awesome. I think it's the uh, greatest use of a a number and a description in the name of a company ever. Uh, Way better than that stupid band 21 Pilots. I want you to know that. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, Jeff, can you kind of take us through the origin story of how 18 strong started? Because, you know, when we first met, we were basically, uh, I would say sitting next to each other, but sweating next to each other at a fitness uh, seminar down in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Was that 2012, I think? It might've so. been, man. All I, I don't remember really the uh, date, but I do remember uh, we were going through like a sprint interval training. And at one point I was eyeballing a trash can, like I might have to offload the, uh, the lunch that I had just consumed. Yeah. I think you weren't the, the only one. Dr. Mark Smith was taking us through the paces there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so what, uh, sorry, as far as my, my origin story. So when you and I met, um, I had just kind of transitioned. Well, it had been a, f- a few years, but it was transitioning into more of the golf, golf fitness side of things. So my background is went to school in Kansas City, um, played soccer there, went to physical therapy school, came back to St. Louis and started working in your typical physical therapy outpatient clinic. Um, worked for a hospital and then a couple of years later moved over to more of an outpatient um, in a big orthopedic setting. So uh, a place called Heritage Physical Therapy where uh, we were in a big group of, of docs, orthopedic associates. They had a monster facility, surgery center, fitness center, physical therapy in the back, all kind of separate entities in the same building. And so I worked there as the clinical director for several years and then I think it was 2008, I was approached by a uh, fitness professional who was working in the, the gym side. And the, they basically had a community gym where there were some trainers working there. And um, there was a, a lady there who actually worked with some PGA Tour players a few years before, came back to St. Louis because she was from St. Louis and started her own or had her own golf fitness company called Motion Memory Golf. And so she approached me about uh, transitioning over to more of the fitness side, kind of working with the golfers. And at that point, as some of your listeners may, uh, may have gotten to this point, I was a little bit tired of the, the model of, you know, the, the clinic that I was in, 
seeing 20, 30 patients a day and um, hassling with insurances all day. And so getting into more of a cash pay system kind of seemed like a, a good option. And to do it with golfers was kind of a, I, I wasn't necessarily a golfer then, but I, I enjoyed the game. And so it was kind of a, an intriguing switch to make. So long story short, did that, um, kind of ended up turning that into my own company when she got married and moved out of town and then decided along with my uh, training practice on a, a daily basis, which, you know, kind of was doing on my own as an independent contractor, decided to start the online platform of 18 Strong to kind of branch out the message of fitness and golf and kind of highlight the fact that there's so many great golf fitness professionals out there and other professionals and coaches in the world of golf that uh, we wanted to, to kind of spread the word to the masses on this whole golf and fitness thing coming together, kind of like the guys at TPI have been doing and, and kind of play off of that a little bit and, and continue to spread that word. That's awesome, man. I, if you don't mind, before we go any further, I want to dive back into your, your history there because, you know, I'm, the point of this podcast is to encourage clinicians to add a gym to their clinic. And there, there's a lot of reasons for that, but you hit on one or kind of ran right past it. Can you just talk about the psyche, like what you were like as a, as a human with the emotions of day-to-day clinical practice before you got in, kind of involved in the fitness side? Because I think a lot of people are looking at this like it's just the, the uh, you're just going to have this, uh, you know, these two separate businesses. But what I noticed is there's a ton of energy that basically flows into the clinic from the gym side. D- did you experience that? Yes, for sure. Um, you know, in your traditional or- orthopedic outpatient clinic, at least in my experience, it was, and it all, some of it depended on the clinicians you're working around and, you know, just the general atmosphere of the place as well. But a lot of times people are there in the clinic because they have to be there. You know, their doctor made them go, they're injured, they're in a a place where they don't necessarily want to be there, but they know that they have to. Some people really didn't want to be there. And um, some people were more, um, more willing to participate and do what you, you asked them to do. But when you, when I switched over to the fitness side, and I think part of the reason why I wanted to switch was I had worked with a few of the clients from this golf fitness program and saw that they were excited about, you know, their training program. They wanted to get back to the training program. They wanted something, they had something they were working towards as opposed to just getting back to normal basically. And so getting into the fitness side and getting to into the more of a gym setting, it really did. It was, it was more of a lighter environment. People were excited to be there. They, They showed up ready to work. Um, and I mean, everybody's not always excited about a workout, but they, they just had a different mentality coming in than when you're, and, and, you know, you get to spend a little bit more time with that individual based on the situation that I was in, where it was, you know, somebody scheduled every 15 or 30 minutes coming in for a, a treatment session, which was very hard to do and very hard to spend real time with these people switching over to the fitness model. It gave us a lot more time to really kind of work on a lot of things that would have been very applicable in that PT setting. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that in a huge way because it's, it's a want versus a need, right? The people who are coming to the fitness side want to be there. I mean, they're, they're, fitting it into their schedule and they look forward to those, those training sessions. Whereas the people over on the clinic side, sometimes you can say they need it because they're in pain or their doctor sent them over, they're referred in. And so the, the 
preset, like the preset psychological difference is huge. And I just can't tell people enough of what it is like to work in a hybrid facility because it is exciting and it's new and people come in and they're smiling and high-fiving. You don't see a lot of people finish their PT session and high-five six people around them, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, having that blended model, you get to, as maybe the patient, you get to see people on the other side doing the things that you want to be doing. So again, it just kind of gives you that, that extra little bit of motivation there too. Yeah. And there's nothing more motivating to a patient to actually do their rehab than, you know, if you have a, uh, a 42 year old guy that played some high school football and is pretty proud of himself and he looks across the gym and there's some 73 year old, uh, grandmother deadlifting a, uh, you know, 55 pound kettlebell and he's gone, Oh, uh, well, I, I want to obviously outlift her. And it's like, yeah, well, buddy, here's a 26 pound kettlebell. Let's get that form down. Right. And <laughs> exactly. it's just like, you don't need to shove the, the dagger straight into his heart, but you just kind of poke at it a little bit, you know? Exactly. And it might introduce somebody that maybe isn't into that fitness model, or, or they haven't really made that decision to, you know, kind of start taking care of themselves a little bit more, but they get in that setting, they, they realize that energy and they start to feel that and they see what some of these other people are doing. And like you said, somebody that maybe they wouldn't anticipate would be able to do something like, like lift a, a 50 pound kettlebell. Uh, and they're like, man, that that's kind of cool. I want to be able to do that when I'm 70 years old. And I, so I, I better start now. Yeah. I think there's, uh, there's so many examples like that. You know, the first time a woman deadlifts uh, over a hundred pounds, I, I, you just see a light go off. The first time a woman does a pull up, just one unassisted pull up in the fitness center, their life changes, you know, their, their perception of what they can do completely changes. And, uh, in the, in the same way, if you get a guy and you work with him enough and he can goes from never touching his toes in the last 20 years to touching his toes as part of a daily warm up, he looks at you like you're some sort of a magician, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned about working in a niche? So you don't just work in, you know, general, you went from general population kind of, um, you know, taking everybody that the hospital sent over, right? And then it went to, hey, I'm going to work on this fitness side. And then within the fitness side, I'm going to work golfers. And then within that, you're kind of niche of a niche of a niche of working with golfers who are playing what you think I am on average, at least twice a week, if they're working in a golf fitness program. Uh, what did you learn transitioning into that, that might be applicable for some of the clinicians listening? Well, I, I think, you know, depending on what direction you want to take your clinic, I think it's always good to have some sort of specialty um, and to then really hone in on that specialty. And so that in, in a clinic setting, that could be you having several different clinicians that all kind of have their own thing going on. For me, it, it really elevated the, the quality of, of people that I was able to work with. And when I say quality, I mean the people that I really wanted to work with. I wanted to work with golfers. I wanted to work with people that were interested in, you know, improving their fitness level. And so by doing this, it really kind of, um, it kind of separated me a little bit from what everybody else was doing around here. So there's a ton of physical therapists here in St. Louis. There's a ton of fitness trainers here in St. Louis, but there weren't any that were physical therapists as well as had a, had a fitness background and were working with golfers. So now all of a sudden, people here, any of the golfers that are playing golf with one of my clients, they want to know what they're doing. And, and so it made it very easy to get that kind of word of mouth referral. And I would say that was probably the number one thing that it did was just kind of start like a little, a little word of mouth. Like, Hey, if you're going to, 
start working out for your golf game, this is the guy that you want to go to. And, you know, so to have that niche definitely can, can elevate you and separate you from, it just makes people take a second look at what you're doing. Yeah. You went from a class of, I don't know how many physical therapists there are in St. Louis, but you know, class of 2,500 down to a class of one, right. And you became the market leader just by simply making that decision. Exactly. And, exactly. and a lot of people listening are going, oh yeah, golf, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you could do it. I mean, Eric Cressy did it with baseball pitchers, right? You could do it. I, I have a friend who works mostly in gymnastics. I have another friend in Nashville and she works mostly with adolescent female volleyball players. So <laughs> like, it turns out that when parents are paying a ton of money for their kid to be in volleyball, they're paying like, you know, 2,500 bucks a season, two or three seasons a year plus club, uh, that their willingness to keep them healthy and pay for, uh, pay for treatment and whatnot. Price is not an issue. You know, they'd like to use their insurance, but it's not a, it's not a requirement, especially when she's the known expert at volleyball. Exactly. And I think you touched on something there. When somebody has a specific goal that they're working toward or a specific hobby, we all know that golfers can be crazy. Anybody that, that is into, you know, a sport and they're, and they're playing it twice a week, these guys are going to do, guys and girls are going to do what, whatever it takes to get better because they, they love to play. They go out and they play with their buddies. They want to be better than their buddies. And so they're going to be more, apt to spend the money to come in and do the training. Whereas when you have somebody that's just more general fitness or they're just there for rehab, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why somebody would stop a general fitness program. But if somebody's wanting to get better at golf and a lot, this worked a lot for me where I got a couple of clients and they've been with me forever because it's just now part of their routine. It's part of their lifestyle because it's something that they want to continue to improve upon. Yeah. I mean, you look at the greatest part about golf is that you're in a weekly group competition setting, right? So if you help that guy gain five yards on his drive, uh, his buddy might not notice that he's now 15 yards close. Like he's only 15 yards back, but the guy that you're working with certainly notices that he's gaining on his friend. And he thinks, well, if two sessions with Jeff a week, help me, you know, get five yards, I guess I better go to three or four sessions a week so I can outdrive my buddy in a month and a half. Exactly. And then eventually his buddy's asking like, dude, what are you doing? What's, what's different? And then that's a possible referral right there. Or the guy clams up and says, I'm not doing anything pouncing. Yeah. I've had that. <laughs> I've, I've had that a couple of times too. Yeah. I, I actually had a client one time tell me, Hey, listen, my buddy's going to call you and I'll pay you 200 bucks if you don't take him on. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can do that. But, and he said, no, seriously, like I, I've, cause he said, I've lost money to this guy for the last six years. And if you could just give me a full year of the ability to probably win some back, I, it, it's worth it to, for me to cut you in on it. And I was like, yeah, but this is kind of like uh, violates all ethics of, of medicine, yeah. but you know, and then you're like, well, I'm in the, yeah, but I'm in the gym. So there are no ethics there. So forget it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. So, uh, any, so when you went to that niche, um, you know, if somebody has like a niche they want to pursue and, and you certainly have maximized the niche of golf, right? I mean, you have your podcast, you have, um, you have products that you could probably recommend to, to your clients and, and, um, to your podcast listeners, you, you are recognized. I mean, I know you're a, a freaking celebrity in the, uh, <laughs> I was at the world golf fitness summit and, uh, there was only one cat that was interviewing everybody who we all wanted to be in front of. And that was Jeff Pelizzaro, you know, but, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So when somebody does niche niche down like that, what suggestions have you learned, um, that they should really kind of figure out to really 
anchor themselves into that niche. So let's say somebody's going, forget golf, let's go triathlon, right? You got a group of people who are crazy. They're willing to spend money. The demographics are pretty good. If they wanted to pursue that, what suggestions would you have for that person starting out to get an anchor in that, in that uh, little community? Well, I think, you know, just kind of based on what, what I've tried to do in the past is first kind of find out who's in that niche already and, and how you can not become necessarily their competition, but become, you know, an ally of theirs. So for me, that, that looked like golf professionals because the golf professionals are working with the, the people at the clubs. They're the ones teaching these, these golfers, you know, on the weekends. And in many ways, I would just reach out or I would be connected via one of my, my clients and start talking to the golf pro on, okay, how, you know, is there a way that I can help you? Or if the easiest thing was if that golf professional wanted to come in and, and work on themselves or get an evaluation, I would offer that to them for free just so they could get to know me. I could get to know them. They could see what my services were. And if I help that person and, you know, there sometimes a golf professional wasn't always keen to the idea of bringing in a fitness guy because they thought maybe there would be some competition there. Like, like a, a fitness professional was trying to take their golfer and, and teach them how to play better golf by the fitness side. So once they were not felt not threatened by me, they knew that I could help their golfer. I could help them. Then they were willing to refer people to me. So I would say make some connections. First of all, even just in your local area, if that's what you're looking to do is build a local clinic and figure out how you can help that person first and let them get to know you, let them get to know your intentions, and then kind of build off that. And then I think what we've done a good job with our, with the podcast and the website is, is reach out to the other experts in that field. So for me, it ended up being that we started a podcast, which I think ended up being a great idea that we just kind of did on a whim almost. But to reach out and be able to talk to, you know, some of the, the top leaders in the area, you know, the guys that are working with a Jordan Spieth, the guys that are working with Ricky Fowler and get to know them. And it's a great networking. And then all of a sudden, maybe they have somebody in your area, they start to recommend you and you start to become again, that person that people are looking at in your, in your little local town. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that I heard one time say, you know, what's even better than competition is collaboration. So when you were the fitness guy that's helping out the golf pro keep his clients healthy and, and playing more, uh, and then the golf course loves that because they're playing more and the, the guy selling clubs loves that because he's buying more, you know, you, you can have that, that is better than just trying to build a co- competitive business to somebody else. So if we use that world of triathlon, like, you know, there's no way that any of these clinicians can't be the resource for, say, the owner of the bike shop and the running shoe store and the, the triathlon coaches and all these other people that are involved in that community. And when you're helping them, then you're hitting all sides of that, that little niche, right? You're, they're going to hear about you at the bike shop and the running shoe store and from their coach. And at that point, it's like, how can they resist? Exactly. You know? And the other, the other piece to that, and I think this is a big one that it took me a little while to learn. And I think it, a lot of people miss out on this is we don't realize how big these niches actually are. And there's a ton of golfers, even here in St. Louis, where, you know, St. Louis isn't a hotbed for golf, but there's a ton of golfers. <laughs> there's way more golfers than I could ever, ever handle. And, so, and it's only half the year, right? I mean, you guys can't, can you play in the winter? 
Not well, it depends. We could yeah. play today, but we couldn't play yesterday because it right. was like 15 degrees. But you know, I mean, so to know that you don't have to see even even if I there's a local golf fitness professional a little ways down the road for me. I don't I try not to see that person as my competition. I sometimes I it's I mean, I've had a couple friends that have been in the area and it's I look to collaborate with them more. Like what ideas can we kind of bounce off each other? Yes, I'd love to have the top golfer in St. Louis, but if that guy has him, that's fine too. There's plenty of of golfers around. So just kind of taking a step back and realizing that, you know, you can still collaborate even with somebody that would seemingly be your competition. And, you know, obviously in the online space, everybody's trying to promote their fitness product or golf product or whatever, but there's millions and millions of golfers out there. And so there's, there's enough for all of us, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So don't get caught up in that total competitive mindset, but again, going back to that collaborative mindset and making, making allies in your niche is a big deal. Yeah. One of the greatest tricks I think has ever been pulled off is the idea of a summit, which is if, you know, the, let's say Jeff Pelzar wants to host the 18 strong uh, summit, you can invite your competition to present, right? And yeah. like, and now it's like, oh, well, he's obviously at that same level because, uh, you know, I, I totally respect Joe, Joe Smith over there. And if Joe Smith is speaking, then he must think positively about Jeff. And when Jeff is trying to get in with this guy, it's like, oh, you know, like, I mean, you know, the trick, like asking people to be on a podcast is the easiest way to get in the door because everyone wants to be interviewed, right? Exactly. Everybody yeah. wants to share their message. We'll have to edit this out and post so everybody doesn't know our trick, you know, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest, Jeff wouldn't have dinner with me out at, at, in New Orleans, but the second I ask him to be on a podcast, bang, he's, you boom, know, I'm on. That's right. Yeah. So anyways, uh, that's for everybody listening. Jeff's actually a good guy. Just like busting his chops a little bit. Uh, so, so you said, you know, find those people that are already in that community, uh, offer something that, you know, maybe they, they don't, don't, and don't look at this as competitive. If, if somebody's like, well, there's so many triathletes and so many coaches out here, you're saying that almost, I, I can't think of a sports market that's not enormous. Right. I mean, right. Like I look at, you know, I drive by the parks every day and the lacrosse huge in my area, uh, soccer, huge in my area, softball, huge in my area, so, volleyball, huge in my area, uh, freaking karate and martial arts, right? There's tons of studios like that. So if you become an expert in any of those that you enjoy, then you're probably going to be the, the only person that's actually kind of staking your flag and saying, Hey, this is the group I want to work with. So was there ever a point along those lines, Jeff, that you kind of doubted that, you know, when you just said, Hey, I'm going to work with these golfers. Was there ever a point where you kind of doubted yourself and said, oh, I should go back to general orthopedics. Like, Oh, this is just, isn't going to work out. There were definitely times when, when that question kind of popped into my head. Um, and I, I would say that I never really thought seriously about going back just because I knew that going back would just take me back to maybe, I, you know, maybe at that point it would have provided much more stable position. It would have provided, you know, more of a salary. Um, but I knew what I was going back to. And I knew that the, when I left, I, I wasn't happy. And so, and you were like the head cheese over there, right? You were the clinic director at one point. Yeah, I was, I was the director of the clinic. We had seven therapists. We had, you know, full front office staff, which by the way, the front office staff was probably the, the biggest headache of the, the whole scenario. Um, 
Well, when you're but, good looking like you, Jeff, you got a lot of ladies up front kind of fighting over who gets to talk to you, I'm sure. So yeah, I, I'm sure that, that was yourself. Yeah. That was who was going to come and, <laughs> and provide the uh, problem of the day. But, you know, so I, 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 there, to answer your question, yes, there were plenty of times where I, I doubted the situation. I doubted the direction that I was going in and, you know, to this day, there's always those little things like, oh, what if I would have done this, this differently? Or what if I would have done this differently? But um, that's when you just got to kind of realize that every day you can kind of choose which path you're going on from here on out. And so I just kind of decided I didn't want to go back to the, the clinical work the way that I was doing it before, at least. So just going back and getting a regular physical therapy job like the one that I knew before was not going to be the answer. So I'd have to find a different path if I wasn't going to continue with the golf thing. And then I figured to myself, well, I'm already pretty far in with the, with the golf niche and I love golf. So why would I not continue to just figure out a way to make this work? I'll be right back with my interview with Jeff Palazzaro after this. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. The thing I got to say, the thing that, you know, as a chiropractor talking to a PT, I mean, if our licensing boards find out that we're having a casual conversation, we'll probably, we'll get a reprimand or something. <laughs> you know, right. but, uh, but seriously, the thing that always breaks my heart about PTs is every one of my, uh, you know, you'll hear these young college kids, they'd come in, they'd tour our, our facility or hang out for a day in shadow. And it's like, what do you want to do? I want to work in sports. Okay. So what are you going to do? I think I'm going to go to a PT school. <laughs> I always tell them like, go, go to three clinics, go to three PT clinics. And it's like, you ask anybody there, what'd you want to do? I wanted to work in sports. What are you doing now? Total joint, you know, post-surgical total joint rehab on elderly population. Okay. So you're not doing sports, right? That's right. And then you see all these people and they're just, I mean, they're, they're depressed. They're miserable because they're not doing what they thought they'd have the power to do, which was get into sports. And, and it's, it's just always so sad because I'm like, you know, you could choose your path. That like people forget that in, in clinic. It's like, you get to choose your path. You just have to take the, the, the big step and kind of have the guts to say, I'm going to work with golfers. That's it. And so many people are scared to, to do that. Did you see that in the therapist that you had, that you had previously worked with? Oh, I, I was that therapist. I was a kid coming out of school thinking, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go work with uh, some sports team or, I was going to do something that related to sports afterwards. And I'll work I mean, with Olympians in between my NFL contracts. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> I mean, you described my situation perfectly. I mean, then you go into a clinic and you're working with neck pain and back pain in, you know, a, a population of either elderly people or people just post surgical or total knee, total hip. And it was like, man, what, this is not the direction that I thought I was going, but then it was just kind of the natural progression and just kind of, just kind of go along with the, with the flow. And then eventually one day you're like, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, so that's, that's definitely, and I, I have run into multiple clinicians that have kind of gone through that, that same thing. And with, as a physical therapist, it, it's also kind of difficult because at least here in Missouri, 
without having direct access, it was, it was a little bit more another step from us to the end consumer. So they had to go through the dock to get to us. So it was, it was always a kind of a weird mix of wanting to maybe start a little bit of my own or start my own practice and do something different, but then had that little go between with the docs. And so it always made it a little bit more of a challenge there. And you just totally eliminated that going the fitness side, right? It's like nobody needs a referral for fitness. Exactly. What a trickster that Jeff Pelzaro, man. How about that? Yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Oh man, there's so much to go into here, but I got to ask you this. So if you had like the, the fulfillment meter, I don't know this, if this really exists, but how fulfilled you were on, on a normal day coming out of the clinic, doing the, the orthopedic stuff versus how fulfilled you've been fully immersed in this, in this, uh, golf world. What, like what kind of difference are we talking about? Cause you're a positive guy. You're a, you're an optimist, right? Like you're constantly, I've, I've hung out with you. You're always a, a bright light in the room, but what were you like? What's the difference now that you can tell people that once you made the decision, jump into the a, a niche you wanted, which is golf and B do it on the fitness side where you believed in sport and exercise and all that. Well, I would say that in my previous clinical days, there definitely were ebbs and flows. And there were times that I loved what I was doing. And, and, you know, I can remember like some days when I was working with, you know, a 70 year old post knee replacement client and we did something and I was able to educate them and show them how to, how to do something. And it made a huge difference in their life. And, and that felt great. And I loved doing that. Um, but it was kind of more towards the end where on your fulfillment meter, I'd say it was, it was down in the, the low, you know, the two, three area where I'd come home and be like, man, I just didn't, I didn't enjoy the day or I'd get up in the morning and just didn't really want to go in because I knew that it was going to be a long day of, of, you know, just seeing patients all day and not really doing what I wanted to do and, and battling different, you know, clinical headaches or whatever was going on. And so switching over to the fitness side and just having a little bit more autonomy over, you know, the clientele that I was working with, the, the population, um, it's definitely been, it's been so, so much better because every day I can come in. I know that I'm helping these people get better. I'm helping them enjoy a game that they want to play. I'm also, you know, making their lives a little bit easier as far as moving better and feeling better, which was part of what I did in the physical therapy realm, but it was just a, a different population and a different, different feeling. So I don't know. I'd, I'd go in the, uh, you know, some days and every day is not rainbows and sunshine. So some days are, are lower, but you know, seven, eight, nines on the fulfillment scale there. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's funny because my last in-person experience with you was at the World Golf Fitness Summit, right? And I think yeah. you were getting ready to interview, I believe it was either Anthony Renna, who's been on this podcast, or Brett McCabe. And, uh, and It was Brett McCabe. All right. And you were excited, you know, you were like super excited to get this interview and sit there and talk to somebody about what you wanted to talk about. And then that night we went to the, the celebration at the House of Blues and just seeing everybody there who, you know, everybody there is working in the area they want to work and they're totally fulfilled by it. And you can see it, right? That it's, we're all coming from all parts of the country, health coming from all parts of the world. And yet the fulfillment meter was pegging a nine or 10 that, that couple days, wouldn't you yeah, say? For sure. For sure. Uh, of everybody around you, by the way, not just you, but I love that buzz that goes on when people are truly doing what they want to do, not what they're being forced to do. Yeah, definitely. That, that event was, was awesome. But anytime you get in one of those kind of 
seminars, educational seminars, like a World Golf Fitness Summit, or even, I didn't get to go this past year, but going down to, you know, the PGA show in Orlando, and you get all these, these people together doing what they want to do and kind of excelling in their field, and it's, it's fun. You start kicking around ideas, and people start collaborating on, on working together, and, and there's a definite energy that really I'd never kind of saw that when I was in the clinic, even when I'd go to a continuing education seminar, it was, you know, you'd sit at your table, you'd, you'd gobble up your information and then, you know, maybe you you chat or maybe go out to lunch or something with the people there. But when you're at a place like the world golf fitness summit, all these people are there, they're having fun. You've connected before and now you're seeing all your friends again. It's just a, a much different scenario. Yeah. And again, I'll say that's one reason to have a gym, add a gym to your clinic is you go to these fitness. I mean, that was the golf fitness summit, but I've been to perform better summits and and they're just as exciting and people are excited and you're moving around, you're doing everything that you got into this business for, you know? So I also, I also think, sorry to cut you off there is when you have the gym piece of it, people, people are coming back on a regular basis. I mentioned it before that I've had clients from the time that I switched over to fitness. I saw a guy today that I saw probably my first week in the the fitness world back in 2008, and he still sees me on a regular basis. And so you develop kind of that family. Um, Whereas if you're in the clinic and you're, you're seeing patients, yes, you work with them for, for a period of time, and maybe they come back as a, a patient later on. But, you know, a lot of these people are here week in, week out, they're working on goals. They know you, they know your family, you know, their family. And so that piece of it has been very fulfilling as well. Yeah. I wrote an article one time about what I call the super fans that you get in a gym setting. Like if you, you know, you keep bumping up your levels of membership, Oh, we're going from large group to small group to individual to super high and they'll buy anything you have. And they, in your case, they probably listen to your podcast. They buy your shirt. They want to, if you, you know, if you made a water bottle, they'd buy that too. They just want to be part of everything you do. And it's incredibly rewarding because we had a few of those people. I mean, it's not everybody, but it's a few. And they're like coming in with coffee for the staff. So here they are, they're paying you money. And they're like, we brought Starbucks for everybody. And you're like, who are these people? It's awesome. Like, you know, and they, and like you're saying, you see them every week throughout the year and they bring you a Christmas card and they, you know, they're a big part of your life. And they're like, it's like having a freaking cheerleader there because they want to be doing what you're offering. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many of our clients we had at our Christmas party this year, you know, like, and it's a collaboration of a bunch of independent trainers and, and fitness professionals working in this facility. And we had a, a Christmas party and like multiple people's clients were there and we just had a blast and, and it just felt normal because we hang out with them every day. I mean, some of these people we see more often than we see some of our family or our kids or whatever on a weekly basis at times. Yeah. And (laughs) it's just, you just don't have that in a clinic setting, you know I mean? For, because in a clinic setting, if they're coming back, it means, Hey, I either re-injure myself or I have a new complaint. And it's like, you don't, you just don't see that in the fitness side. So it's awesome. Yeah, some of, the, some of those folks you didn't want to see back in the in the <laughs> clinic setting. Yeah, exactly. Like, can somebody give this guy painkillers? I don't want them in here. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I just can't tell people how great this this. I always say it's like uh, like one of my clients said, this model is like Reese's peanut butter cups. It's like better together than they are apart. You know, and having that blend of the the clinic and the gym, it does it treats your clients better. It treats you better. It treats, uh, you know, your business better. Everything about it is, is awesome. I mean, I can't think of a reason people don't do it other than they're just scared to take that leap. 
Well, and that's, I mean, that's a hard part, you know, and that's difficult in any situation, any job, taking that leap and having that faith to do that and kind of overcome that gap. It's tough. And you've been there, I've been there. Um, and so I, I can't knock anybody that isn't quite ready for it. And, but once you decide to do it and you make that decision, just realize that you, as long as you're willing to put in the work and as long as you're willing to take a few knocks here and there, you're going to learn better ways to do things and you're going to succeed. It's just, you gotta, you gotta take that leap. Yeah. I think, <laughs> you, like you said, you got to do the work, but I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot easier to put in 16, 18 hour days when, you, when you're excited about it and you're loving what you're doing and you can't wait to open it back up tomorrow than it is to do eight hour days when you're dreading the turning that key and turning the lights on, you know? That, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, any last advice you want to give our listeners, Jeff? I mean, you've seen all, all versus angle. Hell, you're doing it perfectly because you have decided what you wanted to do. And now you're like world famous. Like, uh, you know, I see, I see masters winners wearing your freaking t-shirt, buddy. So, um, yeah, well, any we're, we're going to continue to try. We're going to continue to try to do that. Um, get more of those shirts out there, more masters winners wearing them. Um, I mean, I would say that, that the one thing is, and we've touched on it a couple of times is you simply have to, to make the decision of what you want to do. Realize if you're in a situation where maybe you are a clinician and, and you're in a clinic that doesn't have a gym or wherever you are and you're happy, then, you know, by all means continue to do that and do that as well as possible. But the biggest piece that I've found for myself is when I finally make the decision to know what I want and then focus on that constantly and move towards that. But you got to make that decision and kind of draw that line in the sand and say, okay, this is going to happen. And then every day, remind yourself that you're committed to doing that and just keep moving towards it. Awesome advice. Awesome advice. Well, Jeff, what, uh, because you expanded into the podcast, last question, what's the most impactful interview you've ever had, whether it was from somebody that you only saw on TV or uh, a mentor of yours or anything. What's the most impactful interview you've had on your podcast? 18 strong, by the way, look for it in the iTunes store. Um, man, I've had, I've had a lot of great interviews. One of the ones that kind of surprised me the most, and it was just an incredible interview was I had Michael Breed, who's a, a golf instructor. He's on the golf channel or was on the golf channel all the time. And he teaches out in uh at a course in New York. And so I brought him on and, and was kind of expecting to talk about, you know, just his history in golf and, and talk about, you know, maybe some strategic things as far as working with golfers. But he kind of started to, to go off on this whole idea of, you know, really knowing what you want, being appreciative of where you are and the things that you, that you have. And, and so it kind of took a different turn. And for those that have ever listened to my show, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to, you know, like some of the motivational stuff and, and really kind of digging into um, success principles and those kinds of things. And so he started talking about that and how those principles really kind of led to where he has gotten. I mean, he worked at Augusta. He is super successful with the golf channel and with his teaching. And he just kept reminding himself how grateful he was for every opportunity he had um, and reminding himself to continue to, to, that he had to work very hard for the people that were his fans. And so it was just a very enlightening interview into the mind of somebody that's super successful doing something at the very highest of levels and how humble he was by, 
you know, being that grateful for the position that he was in. So that was, that was it. Michael Breed was probably the one that sticks out first and foremost. All right. So folks are want to dabble into the world of the 18 strong podcast podcast, look for the Michael Breed uh, episode. And that's a good insight into what, what you're all about and what 18 strong is all about. Yeah. I want to say, I, I can't remember the exact episode number. It was, it was right around master's week last year. So it was April of 2017. Awesome. All right, sir. Well, this has been a slice of heaven and uh, I can't thank you enough for the, taking the time with us here today, Jeff. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they have questions or they want to take that leap or they, uh, they just want to be part of what Jeff's offering? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you can always find us at 18strong.com. All of our social media handles, if you just type in 18strong in the search bar, you'll, you'll find us there. Um, feel free to email me, jeff at 18strong.com. Happy to connect with anybody, answer whatever questions I can, if I can answer them. And um, yeah, look forward to uh, maybe touching base with some of your listeners. And thanks so for having some, me on, Josh. I really appreciate it. In, in fact, yeah. I remember you, you were one of the original guys that I ever knew that had a podcast. <laughs> and uh, so I have to say that you were in, in many ways partially influential in, in me kind of picking the route of podcast for Golf Fitness. Hey, that's awesome, man. I appreciate those words. Yeah, so if uh, somebody's out there listening and they're struggling to take that leap, you might if they hit you up uh, via email. No, by all means, by all means, happy all right. to help. Or, you know, social media, whatever, whatever works. All right. Well, on behalf of Jeff Pelizzaro and the 18 Strong Podcast and the 18 Strong World, I mean, you're going into multiple directions here. This is Dr. Josh Satterley for Clinic Gym Radio saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dreamt of. Thanks a lot, Jeff. You got it. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.